0: You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. My first car, and I I didn't have a picture because uh, at this point, everyone had smartphones, and I had uh, one of those phones that had the screen and the small keyboard, but then you flipped it up and it had a keyboard. You guys know what I'm talking about? And the pictures were really bad, so I never took a picture of my first car which I'm really sad about, but I had an emerald green 97 Jeep Cherokee Sport. So if you think it's a Wrangler, it's not. But it was still awesome, and it had a tan interior, and it was a gift. Someone gave it to me. And I had that car for a couple months, and I loved it. I'm 18 years old, and I didn't have all of the, you know, encouragement and uh, adult upbringing in my life at the time. I was fending for myself a lot. And uh, I was driving one day and it wouldn't, it was an automatic, but it wouldn't shift into the next gear. So like I'd be driving and I'd be like just speeding up, but then like the engine would just keep going harder and harder, but you'd never feel that, you know, that jolt, like you went to the next gear. And so I asked a friend, not a mechanic, uh, hey, do you know what that is? He said, hey man, that's the transmission for sure. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Don't know what that means. And he said, that's bad. That's it. It's the transmission, and that's bad. And I went, okay, so what do you want me to do? He said, it's going to cost you like 6500 bucks to fix it. And I was like, okay. You know, I'm 18. I don't even have $60 to my name. So I'm like, I can't fix that. He said, you need to get rid of it. And I was like, I got to get rid of it, you know. So uh, I go to Craigslist of all places and uh, put my Jeep up. I can't remember for how much. But I'm like, you know what? I'll get a Honda Accord or a Camry or something, you know. Guy reaches out to me, willing to trade cars. I said, yeah, let's do it. So we meet up at Eastside High School parking lot. And uh, he shows up in a 1988 Honda Accord. Had the lights that when you turned them on, they flipped up. It's basically an off-brand DeLorean. It didn't have the hatchback, you know. So um, same, it was like silver, burgundy cloth interior. Gross. It was a gross car. Anyway, I'm 18, and I'm like, transmission's bad. And the guy's like, well, let's just trade it for 24 hours. We kept each other's titles just to keep each other accountable. And I'm like, sick. So I take the Accord for a day. Great car. Runs great. Nothing wrong. We meet back up, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm interested. Let's trade cars. He says, cool. Only thing is, sometimes, rarely, it won't turn on at first. But if you keep trying, it'll turn on. I'm like, sounds good, dude. You know, transmission slipping over here. I, you know, I'm good. And uh, fast forward, trade the cars. A week later, I text him. I'm like, hey, man, just curious. Did you get the jeep fix? He's like, oh yeah, I actually just picked it up today. I was like, cool. Like, what was wrong? And I can't remember what was wrong, but he said it cost him 300 bucks. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. A month and a half later, I don't have a car anymore. Oil leaks. White smoke billowing out of my exhaust, driving down the highway, squealing belts, and one day it just died, and I uh, was paid three hundred bucks for somebody just to pick it off and pick it up and haul it away. And so, um, all that to say, uh, the focus of today's sermon is wisdom. <laughs> I did not practice wisdom. Um, I didn't know anything about cars, and so. I was lost. But what we're talking about today is even though we might know some things about the Bible, or we might know some things about faith, it doesn't mean that we are acting wisely. Amen? I could have known everything about a Jeep, about how it worked, about transmission and belts and all that. But if I don't have the wisdom to make a good decision about the car, it's kind of irrelevant to know a bunch about it. Right? Does that make sense? There's a quote by uh, Warren Wearsby. That I heard this week in regard to the passage we're going to be in today. And he says, knowledge enables us to take things apart. But wisdom enables us to put things together and relate God's truth to daily life. Like my experience with my first vehicle, many of us, um, probably in this room and probably around the country, maybe even in the world, believers, we lack spiritual wisdom. But we're full of spiritual knowledge. We know our Bible verses We know the the prayers to pray. We know the right worship songs. How many of y'all remember sword drills? Any sword drill people in here? Y'all know what a sword drill is? Okay. Might have some sword drill champs in here. All that's great if you know a lot about the Bible, and if you can talk doctrine all day long, and if you know theology really well, that's really great. But if you don't know how to apply that to your life, it's meaningless, right? Just some statistics as of 2020, and just a precursor Uh, that this is all pre-COVID. So a lot of this I was reading, I was like, well, this is probably like during COVID. It's before COVID. 25% of Americans consider themselves practicing Christians, with 43% being non-practicing. 29%, and this was as of March 1st, 2020, attend church. 35% read their Bible in the last seven days. When asked of both practicing and non-practicing Christians, the frequency of their Bible reading within the last year 35% 35% said they never did. So why do I, why do I read all that? was after? to do with wisdom? Because what we're doing right now is the easiest thing you can do as a Christian. If we're being frank, you know? Coming in this room for an hour is really easy. Maybe getting the kids in the car was hard if you got kids. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, you're here and we're sitting here. You know what I mean? And it's good. This is biblical. We're commanded to do this. It's a good, healthy thing. I'm not saying it's wrong. But if your faith stops here, there's nowhere for you to bear the good fruit of heavenly, spiritual, biblical wisdom in your life. Does that make sense? Somehow over the last 30 years, between church consumerism, various social issues in our society, we've picked up a nasty habit of simply knowing our faith without practicing it. This is the state of our church community today, and we wonder why suicide rates, depression rates, anxiety, fatherlessness, and so much more are at an all-time high. It's because it's never been about simply knowing about our faith but owning our faith. Instead of just memorizing scripture, we should depend on it. Instead of praying before our meals, we should be praying with our kids. Instead of just serving on a Sunday morning once a month, which is good and great, We should be serving our unbelieving co-workers and friends. This is the threshold between knowledge and wisdom and where James is showing us our faith hinges. Ultimately, wisdom is practicing our faith on a daily basis. And before we get into James, I wanted to read a quick scripture from Proverbs. It's Proverbs 3, verse 21. This is like the wisdom chapter. It says, My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight, Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. You have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Let's get into James. This is James chapter 3, starting in verse 13. He says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. So um, I don't know if you guys knew this. I'm a musician. And um, I've been playing music for 17 years, which is pretty awesome and cool to look back and see how much time I've spent in music and worship. And this isn't a subtle flex. It's not. I'm just trying to give an illustration. But when I sit down at a piano, I don't have to think about what I'm doing. Um, Taylor Peavy's still in here. He's back there. Taylor builds stairs. I went and watched him work one day. The guy doesn't have to sit there and like really critically think about what he's doing with these stairs. You know what I mean? He just does it. It's muscle memory. I've been playing music for so long that when I sit down at a piano, I'm not stressed. I'm not anxious. I'm not worried. I'm not overworking to try to create something. Right? Right? because I've been doing it for so long, I'm so invested in it, it becomes effortless. On the alternative, if someone walked in today and said, Timothy, here's a bassoon, can you play it? I'd go, well, you know, maybe give me like a month, I could probably figure something out. He'd go, great, well, you need to figure it out in an hour, because you're going to play at the Peace Center with the Philharmonic Orchestra. I'd go, okay. I would be anxious, I would be stressed, I would be worried, and I would be overworking, right? Probably some of you, if I told you to get on stage and lead worship, you'd face the same thing, right? It's a scary thing when you don't know what you're doing. That's what James is talking about. He's contrasting the fruit of faith and the fruit of the flesh. All this is about fruit. And I'm going to cover this in a moment, but I do want to say from the beginning, we should not read this and go, don't do that and do this. That's not how the passage works, okay? The passage, James is saying, if you walk... Out your faith with the Lord, the fruit that will be born through that are these things. Does that make sense? There's a difference. It is not. So go be more peaceful. Go be more this. Go create more that. Because the bottom line is we cannot, right? But the more time that we spend in his presence, in the word, in prayer, in worship, we will start to see these things in our lives, right? So We're going to cover that a couple of times, but that's the main. If you take anything away today, this is not about performing well and making sure you're a good Christian. The word behavior is in the scripture, but it does not mean put on your best behavior. It is a natural conduct of who you are. That's why he says, if you have wisdom and understanding, it will show. If he says, if I stood up and said, hey, who has wisdom and understanding? And someone raised their hand, I'd go, well, you don't. You know what I mean? Because it's like, it's not something you brag about. It's something you just show in your life. People will see that you're wise and understanding, right? When we are constantly and consistently walking with Jesus, we're sitting under his tree of life on a daily basis. And the good behavior James is talking about is a natural fruit. You aren't being called to create wisdom on your own. You're being called to sit under wisdom so that you can produce wisdom that wasn't yours in the first place. This is what he means by gentle wisdom. It's effortless. I played music for so long, it's effortless now. Some of us are here, and we're trying to figure out like, how can I be a better parent, or how can I reach out to my neighbor, or how do I build a spiritual relationship with my coworkers? But you're really successful in your business, and you're really good and skilled at your job, right? That's awesome. But what James is saying is that's not, it's not a good diagnostic to like go to work and be super successful and then come home and you're not. Right? That's what he's trying to say. But that coming home piece, if you don't want to come home as a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or, as a, or go into your workspace or in your neighborhood and not be anxious and stressed about how you're not doing a good job, he's telling you what to do. Go sit under the tree of wisdom. And wisdom will flow. You guys tracking with me? Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you. (laughs) I feel honored. And maybe you're sitting here thinking that. Maybe you're thinking, like, if it's supposed to be so effortless, then why do I still face the things he talked about jealousy and envy and the trap of success? Why am I facing that still? We all know it, but it's a good reminder. Scripture tells us that we are prisoners of the flesh and sin. One time Oliver said this, and I I went back and listened to it. It was so good. He said that we are living in an earth body with magnets attracted to the world. And I thought, man, that is just such a good way to put that. I feel that. Maybe some of you feel that. Like, I'm supposed to be a believer. I'm supposed to be a son, daughter of God. I'm supposed to be filled with the Spirit and empowered. And but I still, I still am envious of what that guy has. I still want his car, you know, and I still want to do this. And, I, and you know, whatever. And I love money, and I love spending money. You know, I don't know whatever your thing is. It's a battle. And that adds stress, right? Now you feel like you're not doing the right thing. These are the three ways that I've summed up um, some of those things we're prone to from the flesh, from the world. There are three words. It's appetite, ambition, and approval. And as I'm reading these, I want you guys to think about, like, do you land in one of these categories? So appetite, this is the lie that he is not enough for me. He is not enough for me. And this has to do with jealousy, when I'm looking at my neighbor or I'm looking at somebody else and I'm like, well, we'll look at their house. We'll look how much money they make. We'll look what kind of car they're driving. Blah, 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 blah. I, whether I'm, I'm not saying it out loud, but what my soul is saying is what you've given me isn't good enough because I want what he has. And you, you will not bear heavenly wisdom out of that. That's the bottom line. If your days are spent And you are so concerned about what he has, what she has, what they're doing. Look at their beautiful family and blah, 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 blah. Like, you're not going to get a lot of good heavenly wisdom from that, okay? Second one is ambition. This is the lie that he hasn't done enough for me. That the cross and the gospel and the transformation of your spiritual life, that you were once dead and now you're alive, like none of that is good enough. Or that the restored relationships in your life or X, Y, Z, what you already have that's in your life, that's in a blessing. It's not enough. And so you've got to go out on your own and make your own success now. Because I'm not going to bank on that. I'm not going to bank on what he's given me, what I already have, and what he's done for me. I'm going to go build something for myself. That's being ambitious, which isn't a bad thing, but it can become a bad thing. Success isn't bad, but it can become a bad thing. And the last one is approval. Who he says I am isn't enough for me. So I now have to go out, because that's, that doesn't communicate to me who I am. I'm not standing on it. I have to go create something. And this is where deceit comes in. I have to prove something to someone. I have to look a certain way. I have to sound a certain way. I have to come across a certain way. And that is a trap. And no good fruit will come out of that. And, and this isn't just about you. Remember this. James isn't just saying this about the individual person. He's speaking to a church and saying it's not good for you and it's not good for everybody else around you. If you're trapped in any or all three of these things and you're not sitting yourself under the tree of life, under the tree of wisdom and receiving good life from him, it will affect you. It'll affect your work. It'll affect your family. It will go all over the place. And that is worse than you trying to open your Bible one morning. (laughs) You know what I mean? You think about the trajectory of what would happen to a family whose mom or dad or whatever is not invested in their spiritual walk versus a mom or a dad who's trying to just get into the word every day. Which one do you think is going to turn out better? Probably the latter, right? And that's all that James is saying. So where are you on this list? Is it appetite, ambition, approval? Do you struggle in any of these areas? And remember that this isn't to shame anyone. Okay, let's just be honest. This is the thing I care about. And say it to the Lord, you know, because that's where he wants to come in and expose it and then start to work it out. You understand? So just think about that. Next verse, verse 17. We're we're getting to the good stuff. I know it's pretty down. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and free of hypocrisy. James is showing us what wisdom from faithfulness to Jesus can create. So the Greek culture of that day was a lot like our modern day. They promoted strength, autonomy, and performance. To consider oneself meek or humble was equated to weakness. To show dependency meant you were vulnerable. If you wanted others to respect you, you must prove yourself to them constantly. When James describes these attributes, he is not giving a checklist, like I said before, but he's giving a diagnostic. We struggle with jealousy, pride, and deceit because our age-old flesh is and always will be loudly vying for our attention. But this is precisely how we distinguish ourselves between flesh and spirit. Flesh will only produce flesh, sin will only produce sin, and death will produce death and the Spirit will give way to the Spirit. This is John six sixty three. This is Jesus' words. He says, the Spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Back to what I said before, jealousy, success, and deceit, appetite, ambition, and approval will lead to nothing. It will lead to ruin. If that is the, the, the tree that you're sitting under, Right? But sitting under the, the tree of Christ, the tree of wisdom by his spirit, will lead to life. Jesus guaranteed, he didn't say sometimes, most of the time, if you do it right, he said period. Period. I can't remember who said it or the right way to say the quote. But um, grace is opposed to earning, not opposed to effort. Amen? God just wants you to try. <laughs> That's all. Not to do it exactly right. He just wants you to try. When we stop rehearsing our faith and start practicing it, we bear good fruit wisdom. Like a tree planted by streams of living water, we will not only be filled with the goodness of Jesus, but will start to produce it by his spirit. This is ultimately why Jesus came, to fulfill the law and all of its demands so that we might live. Not strive, but to live. If you're here today and you have been led to believe that there's more Bible to read Or there's more prayers to pray or songs to sing or churches to attend so that you might have a productive and fruitful spiritual life. Take those chains off right now. If we read this passage and we think that we found the secret formula to faith, we are dead wrong. These are not demands, they are invitations. I've wrapped up all those good things that he just said into three words. Holiness, humility, and wholeness. Holiness, humility, And And again, these are a byproduct of faithfulness to Christ. You don't have to work to put on holiness in your life. Because if you did, if you did, you would always come up impure on your own. Aside from his spirit in you. Holiness isn't something you put on. It's something that's in you that you have to tap into. You understand? It's, not, it's never been that God has, especially now that you follow Jesus, that he's removed himself from you because of your sin. There's nothing in the middle now because of the cross, right? And we've decided and chosen Jesus to follow him. We've declared him as Lord, confessed him as Savior. If that's the truth, we are the ones, by our ambition, by our deceit, by all that stuff, the ones that are distancing ourselves. Right? So these things, holiness, humility, wholeness, these are things that are, if you would just surrender to the Lord on a regular basis, these things will show up in your life. And I'm not talking about just emotions. I just mean in a soul sense, you will start to feel these things. You will believe these things for yourself. He has made me holy. So I am spotless and blameless because he says so. I don't need to be, because that's another other thing. If you're just listening to the world, you're being convinced by the world, right? But if I'm listening to him and if I'm investing in him, I'll start to believe that. I will believe and walk out humility. I don't need to be prideful because I don't need to prove anything to anybody. So I'm fine to be wrong. I'm fine to serve because I'm not entitled to anything because I've reminded myself of that on a daily basis. And you're whole because he's made you whole. You don't have to go and find your wholeness. You don't have to go and do more meditation and do more yoga or something to feel more whole, right? It's fine if you do yoga, I'm not bashing yoga. (laughs) But we can't idolize those things and depend on them, right? Because they become, they don't even become crutches, they become like poison. Because over time, you're going to start dying a little bit more and more, you know? And that's something, again, I always like shout out Oliver. You could spend 50 years and die, and go to heaven, and that's great, but it will be a wasted 50 years if you just sat on your spiritual hind parts, and did nothing, and and didn't invest in the word, you didn't invest in the spirit, in prayer, you didn't cover your family, you didn't cover your friends or your neighbors, it is a lot of wasted time, and for me, I don't want to spend my time like that, maybe you do, and you know, whatever, verse 18, we're gonna start wrapping up here. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James's uh, planting analogy is intentional. This is all on purpose. Wisdom is a product of our investment. Remember back at the beginning of the passage, um, worldly wisdom, earthly wisdom produces disorder. So when I am going off of what the world says, or if I'm going off of my gut, or going off of my flesh, I'm not going to find uh, order. I'm not going to find harmony, you know. Um, You will find what the world defines as harmony. But from a spiritual sense, it will be disorder. It will be chaos. It will not be what God intended or how he mapped it out. Does that make sense? Wisdom from heaven is the thing that produces peace because when we are getting our wisdom from heaven, we are abiding in peace, right? So back to why I said a second ago. I had a... uh, I had a youth pastor one time. I think I shared this before. I'll share it again. I'm in eighth grade, and uh, he was talking about feeding your mind and your soul, like, you know, not things of the Lord. My man read a whole Lil Wayne song out loud, and he was like, Some of y'all are listening to this. And he's just reading the most foul things. <laughs> And you're in eighth grade, and as an adult, I'm like, man, that's powerful. But when I was in eighth grade, we were all just snickering the whole time because we're like, oh, my gosh, look at this guy. He's got, like, a suit on and everything, and he's just, like, reading Lil Wayne lyrics. And I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) Um, And he was like, some of y'all listen to this. But his his whole point of his sermon was, like, what you're feeding your ears, what you're reading and looking at is, is ultimately feeding your soul. Again, maybe you're here and like this is your this is your time with the Lord. Great. That's awesome. We're glad you're here, genuinely. It's biblical you're supposed to be here. But if you leave here and then Monday through Saturday a thought or an effort is isn't given to anything kingdom, anything heavenly, anything biblical, bible, <laughs> prayer, nothing. Do not expect to bear a heavenly fruit in your life. Bottom line, and that's all he's saying. That is all that James is saying. If you want to be wise and have understanding, the right kind, then you need to go access it, right? And that's where, ultimately, I think James is trying to show that it's all about like a rootedness, it's all about being planted and letting his life flow through you, that you don't have to work. A tree doesn't... Go, today I'm going to make some, some apples. It doesn't happen. It just does it on its own, right? That's exactly how our soul is, to root yourself down and begin to bear good fruit. This isn't about miracles. This isn't about, uh, what's the other word? You know, making a lot of money or something. I don't know. But it's none of that. It's the stuff that matters. It's the stuff that's eternal. Watch your relationships flourish. Watch your soul flourish when you are just living and walking in wisdom. Um, some of you have probably heard about this book. It's called Atomic Habits. anybody read Atomic Habits? Show of hands. Just a few. I know you have. Come on. Um, I uh, listened to the audiobook, so this still counts. <laughs> Come on now. Praise report over there. Testimony. He has this really good analogy, um, and and I don't want to make this about you know productivity and and self help and all that. But uh, he likened this idea of Creating good habits is better than creating goals, right? So if you have a goal, if I'm like, hey, I'm going to lose, you know, 30 pounds. His whole idea is if you lose those 30 pounds, what happens after the 30 pounds, right? It's a pretty profound idea. So this whole thing is like make habits and let that be the goal. And then over time, you're ultimately achieving a goal. Does that make sense? Like instead of I want to lose 30 pounds, I want to live a healthy lifestyle, you know? Um, I want to run more, I don't know, you know, stuff like that, and create small habits. The image he uses, the illustration, is if you have a plane, it's leaving a runway, and it's destined for one place, but you shifted the nose of the plane one degree. Over time, instead of it going this way, it'll actually start to go this way. And this is where I believe James, is what he's getting at for us today is I know, because I've been there, and sometimes I'm still there, that when you think about living out your faith, it can be a daunting, intimidating, scary thing. Because there's a lot of, it's culture, right? And it's society and stuff. But it's a lot of, like, you got some big shoes to fill if you're reading the Bible. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you're trying to be like David or something. Like, I can't be David, you know? We don't even have giants anymore. Um, But ultimately, like, What James is inviting you into is like, what if just one time this week, you just opened your Bible? I know like Jordan Peterson has a whole thing about cleaning your room. And he's like, maybe just bring the vacuum into your room. That's a step, you know. That's right. (laughs) Put the pillowcase on. I don't know. Um, But I think that's the invitation today. It's like, what if you took small steps? And didn't look at it and go, i got to read my Bible for four hours a day, every day. And i got to spend the next four hours in prayer. And then maybe I'll get around to work. Like, you know, don't, don't do that. Because, that, again, that's the performance. That's the pressure. That does not come from the Spirit. It's like, hey, if you want life, here's a clear way how you can access it. However, you will have to sacrifice stuff. Sleep. Netflix time. You know what I mean? Like, you have to get up earlier or something. You're going to have to make it happen. Just like working out, losing weight, all that stuff. You have to make it happen. But if you would, man, life is on the other side. Wisdom, good decision making, healthy relationships, all of that is on the other side. We all want to practice biblical heavenly wisdom, yet we fail to understand that adjusting where we are spending our time, both quantitatively and qualitatively, is what our wisdom hinges on. So, we're going to get to the intentional questions. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Do you guys, can we just talk about for a second? I love exposing, like, awkward things that nobody talks about in church. Can we just talk about the awkward transition for the band to get up? We're all trying to pay attention. And then when he's like, the band's going to come up, I'm like, "Ah." every time, I dread it. (laughs) I'm walking up, and I'm like, everyone's staring at me. I'm making a bunch of noise. I'm hitting the microphone. (laughs) You know what I mean? Somebody didn't mute the bass, so it's like. You know, every time. It's the worst. So we're just going to own it. People are getting up to play music. That's what we're we're waiting for. As we read these, I have some passages to go uh, along with them. Something that's interesting about uh, this part in James is that he's actually mirroring a lot of Jesus' teachings. And here he's mirroring um, the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. And so I'm going to have some of these with questions that I'd love for you to consider. And these are questions I'm asking myself as well. First one is, is the Lord and what he offers enough for me? And don't get like Bible, oh, of course, I love God. You know, like really search your heart and think. Is the life I receive from him, the blessings I have in my life, his faithfulness, his kindness, the power of the gospel, is that enough for me? Is his spirit in me enough for me? This is what Matthew 5, 6 says. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you go into the world and you're looking for your satisfaction, you will never find it. You you can't depend. And I'm saying not just on like a material basis. I'm saying you can't depend on, you know, we're family oriented and, you know, we're just going to be awesome parents and our kids are the biggest thing In our lives, they're the most important thing. That alone will not be enough for you. Partly because I think your kids are going to move out one day. (laughs) They're going to be there all the time. Can't be a mom forever, a dad forever, you know. But those things are good. And like even, you know, money and stuff like that, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's how the world works. But when that is all I'm looking for to satisfy me, you will be miserable. You will ultimately be miserable. But when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's already in you, by the way. Through Jesus. When that's all I want is just to, to look before God and I just want to be right before Him and then I realize I am and now I'm just abiding in, in love and grace and peace and mercy, I will be satisfied and filled. Because I you know, I love my kids, I love my family. Money's great, but I don't need it, you know, because this is forever, this is eternal. Second one is do I have an appetite for my own success or a hunger for the spirit? Am I out here just to get the most I can as fast as I can? Am I in in hustle mode and I'm just going to go, 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 go and see how high up the ladder I can go or see how large I can build my empire? Or am I waking up every day and I'm like, you know what I need right now? I I need some prayer. Something I've noticed in myself that I fall short in a lot is there are times when I'm overwhelmed or I'm stressed or I'm struggling and I forget that I can just like call Emily, my wife. I could call a friend and just, can you just pray for me for like 60 seconds? Yeah. And how much better that would be than like getting on my phone or something? You know what I mean? The success will come to an end. The empire will, will you know, collapse at some point. This straw house that you're building will fall apart. And when all that is gone, what will you have left? Right? This is what Matthew 5, 3 says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So are you going to lay down your success and are you going to, again, sit under that tree and just receive life? That's already abundant and already in front of you. This is number three. Am I living for the approval of others or from the approval of the Lord? Notice that. For the approval of others or am I living from the approval of the Lord? There's, there's nothing right now in this moment that is dependent on God's pride in you, his love for you, his, I hate to use the word because I don't like it, but his future for you, you know what I mean, his plans for you. Like, not, there's nothing like contingent on that, on his side. He is open to you, an open book to you. By his spirit in you, he has given you everything he has. Just like the father in the prodigal son story said to the older brother, he says, everything I have is yours. Everything that the Lord has, he has given to you. So are you going to like just work for things you don't have today? Or just stop and just lean into what has already been given? This is what Matthew 5, 8 says. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.